if you erase and like not make space for those conversations to exist or or people just flat out don't talk about it i guess it it didn't happen right like if you if you don't if you don't know it didn't happen stories have the power to teach inspire people and connect communities we want to dive into the lives of everyday Malaysians around the world and be the platform to share their stories, no matter how mundane or exciting, controversial or intriguing. Do you have one to tell? We're your hosts, Sean, Hen, and Yvonne, and this is the Malaysians Abroad Podcast. Alright, hello everybody. We are back with another episode and we have a very special guest with us. Erin, uh, do you mind introducing yourself? Hi, hi. No, this is really fun. Uh, my name is Aaron Thaddeus, uh, originally from Pataling Jaya, and currently live in North Carolina, in Durham, North Carolina. Awesome. So we are actually here today with all three co-hosts from the Malaysians Abroad podcast. Sean and Hannah is also here. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi! Yeah, we are all here, but actually this episode is going to be a little bit different. Instead of how we usually do things where we're the ones asking questions to a guest, our guest today is going to be kind of leading this episode. But how did this actually come about? Aaron, do you want to share with everyone here today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is really cool. And I think, you know, social media is not necessarily something I engage with as much as I want to. Uh, but uh, in this case, it really helped out. So uh, being in the US and being specifically in, in Durham or Raleigh, North Carolina, um, there, there aren't as many Malaysians out here. I think I've only met one person. And funnily enough, I met this person through Instagram. So uh, I think when I moved here, I was like, okay, maybe I can put like hashtag Malaysians in the US. Um, and I think I came across your Instagram page and I was like, oh my God, okay, I want to check this out. So I think I checked it out and I listened to one of the episodes on Spotify. I just felt like this is great because, you know, a lot of Malaysians in Malaysia think about leaving Malaysia and it's like, oh, wow, it's such a great thing. And then you hear about, you right. know, Malaysians living outside of Malaysia and it's like, you know, it's hard and it's probably harder than sometimes being in Malaysia. So I felt mm -hmm. that was a great connection. So I reached out. Um, I think I reached out to you, uh, to y'all on Instagram. Uh, I think I sent y'all a message and was like, hey, um, I'm, you know, Malaysian living outside of Malaysia. And I think it'd be great if we connected. So, yep. yeah, I think that was that was how it started. And, and then we scheduled a video call after. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So power of social media, but also, you know, kind of doing what we wanted to do with this platform, which is connecting with other Malaysians abroad too. And just, yeah, sharing stories. And now we have our very first episode where we're doing it in this different format. So thanks so much, Aaron, for reaching out to us. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. In, in our conversations that we had during the video call, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, I think identity was is, is always a huge part of moving away because, you know, it, it, when you move away from Malaysia, there's not a lot of other people that resemble your identity and, and resemble your stories. So, you know, I think identity was, seems to be a very natural progression to question or to examine when you move out of Malaysia. So this, this episode really dives deep into the, the identity of Malaysians, like 
with and without the influence of, you know, I guess I, I guess we can call them our colonizers. Before we jump into the deep parts of this, I guess let's let's start with something a little uh, light, maybe. So I guess what is your definition of identity and what does it encompass? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for kicking us off, Aaron. Uh, well, I think right the word identity itself, the meaning has like shifted especially in the last few years of people getting more vocal and more liberal, right? Some people, you know, they identify as a different gender. Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard this, but some people identify as a cat. Some people identify as a cucumber or whatever. Have mm-hmm. y'all heard that? No, I but have not. I, you have, have not? not no, not, not, not of like a cucumber. I think that's a new one for me. It might be an exaggeration, lah. but yeah, people are just identifying as anything, right? But then, right? Like, aside from all those, like, very liberal book nation terms, I think for me, identity is just what role you assume or what role you take in different social settings. Like, if it's an, in your relationship, um, you probably have a different identity than who you are in your family or mm-hmm. in your career, in your workplace, or even in your country. Right, like I identify as a Malaysian Chinese. That's what identity is for me. That's a really good way to put it. I think, like the role you assume in different social settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we also had an episode with Doctor Ngkok Man where he was also sharing what identity could be defined as in like a mental health sense. And mm-hmm. it also talks about this, right? Like how you choose to present yourself to others. Um, I think that's also identity. So. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but also how your environment shapes your identity, right? Like how you experience things and how you define your identity accordingly. Right. I like that. I I, I, I think, um, Sean, when you started talking about identity and there's this new stage of life where people are identifying with uh, things that we would who would never probably identify with in the past yeah i think i think the cool thing about it to me is that identity like you said like shifts and changes and say say for example if i identified as i don't know identified as a bird right like mm. i think the cool part is that we are challenging the the idea of what identity means and that I think in the past, it, it felt so confined to like yeah. just your race, just your gender, just your re- religion or belief or nationality. But like what's happening right now is people are taking it outside of that sort of uh, box and mm. saying like identity could be anything I choose to identify with. And like you said, it could change over time. It could change with people. Maybe maybe with Malaysians, I'm, you know, I'm a bird, but maybe with other people, I am something else. I don't know. I mean, like, I guess yeah. like, we're, we're taking away the rules, right? Like, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. So thinking about identity and like how it shapes us in different phases or different environments, like going way back to M- Malaysia and like how in Malaysia, like I feel when when we reached independence, like Malaysia's independence and identity was co-formed between the Malays and the British, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And I feel like the British had a, they designed the box. They were like, hey, this is the box. We're going to call this box Malaysia and you're going to all fit in here. I feel Mm. like, I guess like the question now is like knowing that we can redefine this box. Like what 
would Malaysia be like without the influence of the British in gaining our independence? Like what, what do you think we would have identified as or, or how we would see ourselves if the British did not um, colonize Malaysia? That's a great question. And to be honest, I don't think I actively think about this. But then when you posed this question, I thought it was really interesting because, yeah, like what you said, what if, you know, Malaysia doesn't have the British touches that it has, especially maybe coming from Penang, we feel that a lot with yeah. our architecture and maybe even the language. Like, will we still be as fluent as we are today without the British influence? Will we be more like Indonesia? And I think we, maybe we would, maybe we would take our national language a little bit more seriously. And maybe Malay would be the common language instead of English. Who's to know? But it's, it was a very interesting question. And I'm very interested to hear what other people think as well. No, it is a very deep question, right? And like definitely something you don't really think about in your everyday life. But I agree, especially coming from Penang, you see the influence of the British colonization everywhere. Even our name, right, the state, like Prince of Wales Island, that's from British colonization. I think another thing that, I could be wrong in this, but another thing that was also because of the British colonization was a lot of racial segregation. They kind of appointed Malays as like the government officials or the ones that are mm. like more, I don't know, like in, in politics. And then the Chinese were like those in trade or like fishermen, tin mining, all of that. And then Indians were... I think rubber tappers. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, I'm not sure how much of that was actually pre-existing or because that's what the British assigned each race to. Um, and also, I think before the British recolonized us, it was the Japanese, right? And there was a lot of Samangat Asia that was presented in their manifesto. But at the same time, there was a lot of torturing and suffering that happened. So I wonder how long that torturing and suffering would have gone if the British did not come back in. Oh, that's a good point. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. What do you no, think, Aaron? No, I, I think this is a really good point, right? I mean, um, I think uh, as, as we were talking about this, um, I was thinking about uh, structure, right? Like, like structure and diplomacy, you know, the British clearly came in and, and had an idea of what that structure and diplomacy and law was for Malaysia. I think they sort of set a lot of the laws at the start of things. Again, my sejarah is really bad. And for those who don't know what sejarah is, it's, it, it just means history. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how how we would have navigated defining our identity because I think there was a majority, I think the, the I guess what we know as Malays now were the majority at the time. So I don't know if if we would have still reached the same conclusion, but I think I think Malaysia without the influence of the British might have made Malaysia maybe more pure. Like, you know, when you think of when I think of places like New Zealand, right? Like I don't mm -hmm. know if you know, New Zealand definitely was colonized by the British as well. But when the British left, like, it almost felt like New the, the people in, from New Zealand really, like, took pride in their heritage. Mm. And, and, you know, whether that's, like, the culture, whether that's, like, their their identity and, like, the visible identity, so all the tattooing and and the food and, I don't know, they just, be they became so purist in a sense yeah. 
Um, I'm just curious, mm-hmm. maybe Malaysia would have been that way and, and maybe each religion would have been more like purist in that sense rather than being like, hey, maybe we should just give up our identities to, to, to fit into this British, you know, box that they created for us. So yeah. the closer we can fit in the box, the more like socially advanced we would be. Um, so I don't know, maybe we would have held on to a lot more traditions and, and a lot more um, folk, um, like stories mm. and, you know, things like that. I think, I think that may have stayed more. Yeah, I think part of it is also education. I think the, if we're talking about the Maori, they are very good at educating New Zealanders about their traditions and stuff like that. And I don't know, yeah, that, that's a very interesting question because they are definitely very proud of their history and their culture. Um, and I'm wondering if it's just because we're not exposed to that side of Malaysia or did the British cleanse, so to say, that side of our history a little bit more mm. than they did in New Zealand. Even the Hawaiians are like that, right? They're very, very proud of their heritage and the history. If we think of Malaysians and our past, before the British came, there was like those... I don't know who was there before the British came. It wasn't was it just Malays? I mean, I think I think our history books, uh, I could say that they are as bad as maybe the history books in the U.S. because they they were very they were very heavily edited, and they they only talked mm. about you know they only went so deep into talking about history because I mean, you know, I, I I feel like I feel like maybe a future episode would be to talk to some you know Malaysian historian that that went past the history books and um, you know that that is doing the work that maybe the US is doing right now which is to uh, to sort of unearth the the true uh, stories or maybe just broaden the perspective of what history was because I, I don't know who wrote the history books but I'm sure it wasn't like a an equitable you know format of like hey everyone like let's talk about uh, all our experiences and then like let's yeah. write, co-author this rather than like hey i'm just gonna write this from one lens you know because it sounds good yeah I, I think this is a great topic because i feel like you know as as we're unpacking this and maybe we don't have the answers to what it would look like because yeah. that is such a big like concept to unpack yeah. like maybe let's talk about what parts of malaysians malaysia's colonization do you think is still prevalent in your life in your life right now? Like for me, for example, like I think it's the way I speak, it's the way I sound. I think that's a huge component. Like my family, as they were living in Malaysia, in Malaysia we call it quote unquote like proper English. You know, like we, this is how we spoke at home. This is how we spoke to each other. And I think that stayed in my family because they grew up, you know, learning English predominantly in school. Um, so I think that's one part of me that like kind of stayed. I was curious, like what parts of the British colonization or, or maybe even other colonizations, if, if, if that is still relevant, like that has, is still prevalent in your life. Oh, actually, I'm curious because you said you grew up having to speak like proper English. Is that your family's practice since you were young? Yeah, so that's kind of the main language. I mean, we, we didn't speak any other language at home. 
we didn't have any other language to fall back on. And the way we spoke is very similar to the way I'm speaking right now. Uh, maybe now the way I speak is a little different, just having lived in the UK as well. But I always question like, why did I pick that? Like, why, why, did, why did this become the accent that I have today? And I don't know if in the subconscious mind, you know, that maybe I'm like, oh, because, you know, this feels like a, a more um, recognizable sound or accent in the world. It's almost like a currency, right? Like the way you sound has a currency to it. And I think if you sound mm. a certain way, you can go further in certain places or there's like a preconceived notion that, oh, you must be educated or, oh, you must have traveled yeah. versus if I sound like, if I sound like Malaysians and I'm like, you know, like I speak, I speak like how I would speak in, if I go to, I don't know, a shop and order food or whatever it is, like, you know, in a mama shop and order food and I speak the same way in the, in the US, I'm like, people might look at me like, what? is going mm. on you know mm. yeah so. even that in itself is a very western way of thinking i think like the correctness of your english is the level of education that you have i feel like in on the on the reverse side in asia just take malaysia for example if this random white dude starts speaking one word of malay even if he like butchers it completely like we would praise them for that right yeah. we would explode yeah so I think even that in itself is very interesting. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to answer your question, um, I think similarly for me at least, mine is also language or for me, it's more of like growing up, I always thought that English was the superior language. And I'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure why that thought came into mind or where that thought got planted in me. But growing up, I just never wanted to learn Mandarin because I just thought it was it was not very useful or whatsoever. And now I regret it a lot because it's such a useful language to know how to speak. But because of that, I'm now a banana, so to say. And with English becoming almost a superior language, I it kind of somehow made me reject my Chinese side of things. And weirdly enough, coming to America, I feel like I'm being more in touch with my Chinese side now than <laughs> I did in Malaysia. I relate to that 100%. Like everything you just said, thinking about how English is the superior language, not learning Mandarin. Um, even my Hokkien is kind of bad, which is like something that I'm kind of sad about. But and yeah, like coming to the US made me more in touch with my Chinese side and like my Malaysian pride. Yeah, I, it's... It's it's interesting, right? I mean, I think when you step back from it, when you step back from from being in Malaysia, I think you come to, I think you come to like develop a a stronger appreciation for culture, like you know, like so. When I mentioned like in my family, we only spoke English. Like, I don't know. I always questioned why why was that such, because I think in my family, like I would say our traditions were very Westernized or. There wasn't it, there wasn't a lot of like Malaysian traditions, maybe in terms of food, like for sure, like you know during Christmas, like we wouldn't have a turkey or whatever. We would have you know a lot of Malaysian uh, food, but but other than food, I feel like yeah, we 
we felt very westernized in the way that we were growing up and then coming to the US I was like man like I wish I had some traditions like I wish I I don't know I wish I had like something I celebrated every year and like had like a cultural reference to be like oh you know in Malaysia I used to do this and this I was like yeah in Malaysia we do all these things but those are none of the things I did um, with my family I would almost do it with like other people's families whenever people ask me about where's my background I'm like oh I'm just Malaysian like I, I, I don't feel like I want to go down the path of like peeling off those layers and going like, okay, what kind of Malaysian are you? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've always pushed back against that because as far as I know, all my family was born in Malaysia, you know, grew up in Malaysia. Um, we were raised Malaysians and yeah. And growing up, I would always tick the others boxes uh, I think until like someone told me off and said I had said they were like no you have to tick this box and I don't think I know many people who just say oh I'm Malaysian without saying what kind of like race they are because we always just had to tick those boxes right people would if they were not in like the Malay Chinese Indian box they would be Eurasian or they would be line line. And I think this this almost feels like therapy for me. This like this conversation's very therapeutic because I don't think I've ever talked about it openly. But I've always wanted to be others because I was like, I'd rather be others than feel boxed in. I'd rather feel mm. like there's more to me. Like there's almost like a mystery to me. Like if you want to know more, you have to ask questions rather than be like, okay, ticking this box means there's already like an assumption of who you are, mm. what you think about you know, how you feel. And I I wanted people to not have that, that opportunity to assume. That's a really interesting perspective because then when you were saying that, my thoughts were like, I'm guessing they forced you to take Indian when you said that you had to check a box other than Correct. line line. And my first thoughts was like, what's wrong with taking Indian? You know, like what perceptions do we have of Indians in Malaysia that you would feel that you didn't want to take that and that's a valid question and I think I'm still processing it I I think there's been a lot of stigma around Indians in Malaysia Um, you know I mean like the the things that come to mind like you know stereotypes that sort of like get planted in your head is like they drink a lot they beat their wives Um, this is mostly for like men and then also that they you know I think there's like aspects of them being lazy or that I don't know there just there just hasn't been a lot of uh the same stereotypes that you hear say for example in the US like when you think of Indians they're like you they work in IT they're really smart they uh I don't know they win all the spelling competitions or whatever the spelling beast yeah the spelling beast yeah I think there was a there was a there was oh this was this is so funny and this is kind of embarrassing to say out loud because I don't know who's going to listen to this and and some might make fun of it but um but people was like are you Indian or are you Christian and I was like uh Christian (laughs) Christian I was like but like the funny part was like you know identity was like 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 almost like if you're Indian you're like I don't know, you're different. And if you're Christian, you're like an upgrade of, you know, you're like a, oh, you are like, oh, you're English. You speak English, so you must be Christian. And I was like, I was like, man, like that's, it's so shallow to think that way. But mm. yeah, I, I guess like I always wanted to differentiate myself from the stereotype. And 
And by doing that, I moved away from being in that box. I was like, if I'm not in that box, then I can't be associated with that stereotype. So I want to create my own box. And I think that was, I think that was the biggest component of it. Wow. That felt like a lot to say. Thank you for sharing. Hopefully that was in yeah. some way like cathartic or something, you know, <laughs> like process yeah. that and like talk about it. No, yeah, I, I, I appreciate y'all making space. This, this is good. Yeah. I know a couple of friends who are Indian and they are personally suffering from the effects of this stereotype, not being able to look for rooms or houses to rent just because like homeowners think that they won't make good tenants. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's so fascinating because I, like, I feel like people in the US think that way, but they, by law, they're not allowed to say mm. that. You know, they like you, I would never see an ad in the US being like, I don't know, a certain house or job or whatever, but only only Chinese. Or you, you don't see that here, but I, I'm sure people think that way. Definitely. Yeah, yeah we talked about how racism exists almost everywhere, but in Malaysia, it's still very much systemic. There's no laws in place to protect people who are discriminated against. There's no laws in place to punish those who do that. And definitely that there needs to be a change in the existing laws favoring certain races right and certain people and um like in our episode with Paymin in season one we talked about that yeah and i'm glad that it's changing though i'm glad that people are realizing that this is a problem and that we have to do something about it so i can see that us as the younger generation at least we feel differently than maybe our grandparents do a really right rich conversation and i i know we talked a little bit about like you know ways we grew up and and and, and cultural things that we felt you know were we were proud of or that we were not proud of um were there any traditions or cultural uh practices that you felt you had to hide uh, from maybe non-malaysians or even malaysians that you were afraid you know that would be perceived as different or or weird or yeah, not really. I think the only thing that I would so-called hide is the Malaysian slang when I'm speaking with non-Malaysians. Like, you know, I wouldn't go around with like la and ma and all of that because they'd be like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, no, I think similar. I think the other thing was like eating with my hands. There have been times outside of Malaysia where I really was like, oh, like this dish looks so good and I want to eat it with my hands. But because I was in public and because I felt like no one else in that table was going to eat with their hands in the same way we eat with our hands in Malaysia, mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, like maybe they might look at me really strange. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, I think the three of y'all, uh, y'all stay in the US, right? But when I was living abroad, I was only in Japan and that's like totally different right because they are all Japanese and they only speak like their language the locals like I mean but so when I was there I was Asian like them so there wasn't anything I felt like I had to hide but then for me in order to kind of not be perceived as others right um I had to 
it didn't it wasn't something I had to hide, but I had to show that I was able to speak English fluently. It's just like what you said just now about how like your English level or your English accent is like a currency like that. Or like it portrays your status. So that was it for me. Because I think many of many Japanese who are there, they haven't exactly experienced Malaysia. They don't know where it is. They don't know what it's like. So they don't know that we um, are we are able to speak English or so. Actually, interestingly, in their history books, there's no mention of um, their country colonizing others, you know. That's very interesting. Mm. Yeah, wow. Right, Hannah? I think last time you said one of your friends mm-hmm. from Japan, they have no idea, isn't it? Yeah. Because they were saying how, like, oh, they something about not liking Koreans, I think, because of the history. And I was like, oh, but if you think in that sense, then I wouldn't be, like, talking to you. And she's wow. like, oh, why? And I was like, because Japan colonized Malaysia. And she's like, what? Like, she was just so shook. That is crazy, but not crazy. So, like, when... When I moved here, and and someone told me they were like, they were like Aaron. Some people in the U.S. don't know what happened to black people and like the slavery and what happened like to the people that were enslaved and blah blah blah. I was like, I was like, you got to be kidding, right? Like this happened in this country. It's it's such a huge component of the U.S. and and it didn't make sense to me. But now hearing you say that, if you erase and like not make space for those conversations to exist, or or people just flat out don't talk about it i guess it, it didn't happen right like if you if you don't if you don't know it didn't happen so i guess like i couldn't believe it but now hearing you talk about someone in japan not knowing about them you know coming to malaysia and like essentially like massacring like people yeah some people it didn't happen but yeah well, that's true i never really thought about that yeah no so this next question is really interesting because i i feel like everyone's gonna have things to share but uh what were some of the things that you were told you should not do when you were living uh, or moving to a new country like they wanted you to assimilate more my answer is about following cultural norms in japan for instance it's it's not right to talk on the phone if you're on the train because you're gonna disturb other people but it's okay to talk to other people like let's say the four of us were on a train together it'll be okay to like be talking to each other but then just not on the phone and then another thing that they tell you not to do is don't eat while you're walking because that's rude it's so normal here we're like grabbing our satay stick and just walking around or just tap out some like some quick food and we just walk around and eat but that's something that people um explicitly warned me about wow i didn't know that that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So these things that you were told, like they were mostly, they, they weren't like, hey, these things you do in Malaysia won't sit so well there. It was more like, these are things you don't want to do to to sort of disrespect the culture that you're going to be part of. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because for me, for example, like when I first came to the US, like I had someone tell me like to not bring Malaysian food to the workplace because it might be too smelly. It wasn't like so what? much like to like bring curry. like curry or or sambal blachan or you patai. know I, I would love to eat some patai here but I mean I can't even find patai but but you know what I mean like basically saying that asian food is has a strong smell that 
might be disgusting to like someone who doesn't eat Asian food. So to me, I was like, man, like, really? You know, like, I feel like Asian food is kind of a, is a hit in a lot of like, you know, when you watch like American TV shows, like, there's always the the takeaway box that like the paper takeaway box like and then everyone's got like chopsticks like in rush hour i remember seeing that and i was like oh my god i really want to eat out of that paper box like where you have like fried rice or whatever it is or noodles in there and i was like that looks so cool so i was like i don't know asian food kind of seems like it's prevalent in western culture but almost I don't know, this person had had told me to hide that from people because they could have seen it as like smelly or whatever, you know? It's the food they select, I guess. Like, mm. um, thankfully, I haven't experienced that here. I think um, living in the West Coast, it's also a lot more liberal and a lot more, I wouldn't, mm. I, I don't know if it's a lot more diverse than the rest of the country, but there are a lot of Asians here. Uh, but you bring up a good point where you see a lot of that and it's mostly usually fried rice or fried noodles like more white people friendly food if I can say that and that is true for different parts of our culture as well not just food but they kind of pick and select the parts of the culture that they like and tell us to not show the rest right like that's my point (laughs) no I think that is so interesting right it's like yeah like this parts of your culture or your whatever you know your heritage like yeah we love that we'll celebrate that but like but yeah, like let's be selective with which components we are we want to see. Um, mm. That is interesting. That is so interesting. And I, you know, when you think about it that way, you I, I see a lot of that similarities in a lot of other cultures, especially in like uh, white dominated, like white dominant like society, like. They're like, oh yeah, I love you know, I love um, Indian food, but then like. I don't know. And sometimes people are like, oh, but I don't want to smell like the food or I don't mm. want to, I don't know. I don't want to be associated with other parts of the culture. I just want to be associated with the parts that I like that are more uh, accepted maybe. Um, that is such mm. an interesting thought. Um, yeah, super good point. Yeah. Okay. I guess in like what we've been talking about, how much of that is done by yourself like this, you discriminating against yourself or that you feel societally has made you think that way and, and maybe, I don't know, for me, the answer is really simple. I think the things I've said earlier about like not wanting to eat with my hands or, or you know, being worried about being judged, I think all of this are learned behaviors for me. Like they've been learned through time, right? Of seeing what works mm-hmm. and what doesn't work and being Malaysian is great. Like I talk about Malaysia all the time, but but being Malaysian outside of Malaysia is scary. And I I tend to myself like self-select, you know, parts of the Malaysian experience that I'm like, oh, these are the things I would talk about. These are the ways I would show up as a Malaysian outside of Malaysia. Usually that's very much food related. I'm like, hey, I'm going to cook you a Malaysian dish and people usually love it. Uh, and if they don't love it, I stop being friends with them. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But but you know, typically they that's they valid. Love, 
<laughs> they love Malaysian food. You know, <laughs> one way of uh, one way of uh, identifying a psychopath is if they do not like Malaysian food. But no, I'm just I'm just kidding. I I did not. We I need not to tell no, no, that's true. That's true. I chose my <laughs> husband because he liked asam laksa. If he didn't like it, we probably wouldn't be married. So I I I mean, like, you, you know, if you think about it, really, if you cannot go eat asam laksa and you have to like eat separately or whatever, I mean, like that would really suck. So I think that was a good that's a good metric to be like, hey, look, like I love asam laksa. If you do not like asam laksa, this is going to be a problem in ten years yeah. from now. Yeah, I I think it's not just about them liking the food, but it's a sign of them being able to accept your culture yes. and being willing to try things that you grew up with. Yes, mm. yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Aaron. I think you touched on a lot of good points that I I have thought about some of them in the past, but you know. It's not something that like we talk about. It's not something that we actively think about, but really, really interesting points that we all shared here today. And I think this episode, like, kind of opened up a lot of room for us to dive deeper into parts of our identity or even about Malaysia that we didn't really think about before. So thank you so much, Aaron, for facilitating that conversation, and no, Shannon Evan for even just sharing your thoughts too. Um, and yeah, and to Aaron as well for sharing his thoughts. Yes. Yeah. No. Thank you all so much. This. This. I. I felt very open and very safe in talking about these things, and I think just based on our initial conversations too, like we, we clearly, uh, were on the same page about you know talking about some of the hard things and 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 also discovering like the things we think about when we are not in Malaysia itself. So I think like the Malaysians abroad, uh, really gives a different perspective of. Both ourselves and how we feel about Malaysia. So I thought this was a really great space to, to start this conversation. Yeah, yeah. thanks for reaching out to us in the first place. Definitely. And this is not the end of our conversation. So we will be having a part two where we dive deeper into other parts of the identity and about our Malaysian heritage. Um, but for now, we're gonna wrap it up here. So thank you again, everyone, for your thoughts today and for this space to share. And to all our listeners, stay tuned for the next part of this mega episode. I love it. I love it. Stay tuned. Akandata. Yes, Akandata. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Malaysians Abroad podcast. Did today's episode spark something in you? Do you have a story to share? Come be our guest on a future episode. Connect with us on Instagram at Malaysians Abroad Podcast or email us at malaysiansabroadpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon!